Fat Force Radio. Fat Force Radio is rated M for mature. Or should that be immature? Hey guys, Dustin Wint. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. This is Paul Dini. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. You're listening to Bat Force Radio. This is Tom King. I write Batman Bitch. And this is Bat Force Radio. Welcome back to another episode of Bat Force Radio. But uh, right now, Grandpa Batman is going to take us through uh, Dallas Fan Expo and everything that went down over there. So, Well, um, Dallas is getting a good uh, reputation as far as getting some big-time celebrities and guests come through. I've been going to the cons here in Dallas Irving for about the last oh, four or five years. And every year they just keep getting bigger and bigger and better and better. Um, at first they started having the conventions in a brand new uh, Irving Convention Center, which is like a three-story building. Uh, it was built specifically to hold conventions and big events like that. They outgrew that in three years and moved downtown to the Dallas Convention Center and have had that there for the last two years. I was very excited whenever... Uh, the announcement was made that Frank Miller was going to be at this year's convention. I went to New York Comic Con last year, and uh, I was waiting in line for the uh, wristbands to meet Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo. Uh, you know, I'm wearing a Dark Knight Returns shirt. The convention volunteer person, he says, hey, I like your shirt. And I went I went on Thursday. I only had a one-day pass on Thursday. And he says, I like your shirt. Are you, are you going to be here tomorrow? And I said, no, sorry, I'm from out of town. I only could get a Thursday convention uh, ticket. And he he looked at me and he goes, it's going to be interesting. And I looked at him and I was like, fuck. <laughs> You're telling me Frank Miller's going to be here, aren't you? And he's just like, it's going to be interesting, man. And I was like, damn it. <laughs> I flew 1,500 miles and I missed the man by one day. But... um you know, and that, that kind of broke my heart, but it, it was cool. The Dark Knight 3 title was announced and stuff like that. He started doing a lot more appearances, not just, you know, in the, the U.S., but also like going to South America. And I think he actually went to Europe for a, an appearance in London or something like that. So when they made the announcement that he was coming to Dallas, man, I, I mean, I was so excited. And they sold these packages, uh, these ticket packages uh, for like the ultimate experience, it was like a thousand dollars, and you got like to meet the entire uh, you know team of the Dark Knight Three. You know Frank Miller, Brian Azzarello, Andy Kubert, Klaus Janson. You got like three autographed items. You got a hand drawn uh, sketch from Frank Miller. You got priority and VIP um, seating in the panels, two panels plus. Uh, VIP placement in the autograph line for a signing he was having later in the day. That was like a thousand dollars. There's no way I'm going to buy that. But then they also had for a hundred dollar package was like 
pretty much almost the same thing except for you didn't get the uh the sketch and you only got like one guaranteed autograph and but you still got the vip uh pass for the the other autographs and the guaranteed seats in the panel and those sold out in like two minutes i couldn't even get my credit card information in before it was sold out i was fucking pissed he was still going to be doing a free signing because all they had announced was that he's doing one free signing but he's also doing a panel this was like the first time he's been back to dallas in a public appearance since i can remember so i knew that i was going to either have to go to the the panel or go to the signing and to me the signing was the priority um because i wanted to you know get some FaceTime meeting, get get um, one of my books signed or whatever. I knew that I'd be standing in line all day. So I went ahead and bought the, uh, the three-day pass so that I could go on Friday, June 3rd, and see all the other exhibits and artists and celebrities and stuff that I wanted to see and then spend Saturday just focused on probably waiting in line for a bulk of the day just for the free signing. So I did that. I went to uh, the Dallas Convention Center on Friday, and um, I also wanted to meet the other people in the Dark Knight uh, 3 team, specifically Klaus Jansen and, and Azarello. And, uh, man, they were great. They were awesome guys. Got to talk to them a little bit. We'll play in a little short interview that I, I got to do with those guys. Klaus Jansen, to me, is kind of like I really hold him in high regards. He's He's worked on everything from – Daredevil, you know, to Spider-Man, to uh, Batman, to, I mean, he's been just an icon as far as like uh, being an inker for, uh, for comics for, you know, well over 30 years. So, and I kind of, I told him this, I said, I think you're the uh, kind of the unsung hero of, of Dark Knight Returns because your inking really helped shape and define that book. And, and you can see that in the, um, you know, the, the gallery edition that just came out. Now I know that Frank Miller kind of went and overdid a couple of things because Klaus is so good that he tends to make everything like clean and pristine. And there are certain panels in the book that Frank really wanted to like rough up Batman or Joker or whoever Superman and really, you know, darken the, the look. Hold on. What? Mom, Milo. Fuck. (laughs) Quick side note. Um, Klaus Jansen actually turned down Tim Sale when Tim Sale asked him if he would ink the Long Halloween. Damn. Damn. <laughs> Klaus, you know, he, he, I really, I really respect him. And um, so I wanted to meet him. I was, I was trying to get him specifically one on one for an interview, but he kind of kept putting me off, putting me off. I was really pleasantly surprised at how many people wanted to, uh, to get their autographs and talk to them because, you know, they had a, they had a booth set up. You could get, all your books signed by all three of them right there on the spot. They also had original art for sale. And I'm telling you, this shit was beautiful. I mean, they had everything from his daredevil run to panels from dark Knight three. If I could afford it, I would have bought some of that original art. It was, it was amazing to see it live in person. I mean, I'm I'm holding in my hand these panels that I've read in issues one through four of dark Knight three. And I'm like, this is this shit right here, you know, especially like uh, the Wonder Woman page where she's fighting the Minotaur. Oh my God. To see that book needs to be in a gallery edition someday. I hope it is because 
it, it'll it'll look great. Anyway, so Friday was spent majority meeting them. I talked to Kevin Conroy, and we'll listen to some audio later on but to him. But Friday was basically just spent seeing everything else. Klaus agreed to do an interview at 10 o'clock on Saturday morning. And I said, okay, I'll be right here at 10 o'clock. <laughs> so Saturday, I, I get up super early and I beat the traffic. And parking is a bitch down at the new location that they have downtown. I had to get up pretty early and, and get a good parking spot. And I walked back to the booth where Klaus and, and Brian and Andy were set up the day before. <clears throat> and they weren't there. And um, the guy that ran the booth, he also owns and operates the website Essential Sequential, where you can buy original art. His name's Jason. He's a super cool guy. I asked I asked him if Klaus was going to was going to be here. And he said, um, I think he's in the green room right now for a panel. And I looked at him and said, uh, what panel? And he said, yeah, uh, they're having a panel for, uh, the dark Knight team, uh, with Frank and all the other guys at 11. And I asked him, I was like, is this the one that you had to buy the special pass for? He said, no, 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 this is, this is open to the public. And I, I just said, okay, see ya. And I just made a beeline to the front of the front of the building, found where they were having the panel and got in the line. The line was already, you know, several hundred people deep and they started giving out wristbands. And they told us, if you have this wristband, this is your spot in line for the free signing later on today. So that guaranteed me a free autograph. So not only did I get to go to a panel with the Dark Knight team, but I also was guaranteed a spot in the free signing later that day. I, I was elated. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? So I get to go in the panel and I'm sitting at the back and the lady, you know, they're helping people see. And she's like, I got one up here. You might want to come up here. And it was on like the eighth row. And I mean, I didn't hesitate. I just shot up there. I was sitting on the kind of in the center aisle where I could, I got a, Full perfect view, you know. It, it was it was really amazing. I'm literally sitting 20 feet from the entire Dark Knight Three team. I was actually nervous. I, I Story, uh, but it's not Karen, it's the Robin before Karen. The 
in between Rob. In between Rob and Rob. Jason. Jason. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, without saying too much, it's, it's, it's kind of a, it's a Jason story. I like to take gifts for them. Like with New York Comic Con, I took uh, Scott Snyder and Capullo some customized shirts. I think I'd seen Capullo in Houston before, and I took him something. And it's just kind of a way to acknowledge, hey, man, I appreciate you know what you do. It's it's not about what you can do for me. It's what you've already done for me, and and I just want to kind of give you some appreciation back. They all they all seem to love that. So I wanted to take something for Frank Miller, something that no one else would think or 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 has given him in before. And uh, I was kind of working with somebody on a, a collaborative idea, but it couldn't get done in time. So I was thinking, what what could I get him? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give him a custom action figure. I mean, he look at me like, well, here's this 40 year old guy giving me an action figure, and be <laughs> like, what the fuck are you supposed to be? But so I was like, what, what can I give it? What would be something so unique that he, he would, he would like. And then I like the night before I realized, or it was like one or two nights before I realized what I had that I already had that I could give to him. There's a, a buddy of mine that I met through Instagram. His name's Ellison Brooks. He's at pine box daddy. And he's this awesome woodworker that has made large cutting boards like in the Dark Knight Returns uh, bat symbol logo. Um, <clears throat> he's made like two for me. One was a giveaway for a contest and one was mine. And um, dude, this thing was like one of my prized possessions. This thing is fucking big. It's probably over a foot, well, probably over two feet long. I had it like up on my bookshelf, you know, proudly display, displayed because this thing is just awesome. It's painted black. Miller would like that. I reached out to to Ellison and I was like, you know what? Would you mind? You know, because I didn't want to insult him by giving away a gift. I was like, would you care if I gave this to Frank Miller? Partly because it was a unique gift. Also because I think that his uh his talent and his art, his woodwork should be in the hands of, you know, this iconic comics legend. And I told him, I was like, man, dude. It's kind of credit to you because, you know, I think that that needs to be displayed in his studio because Frank Miller is a big collector himself, man. And so he said, man, sure. He, he was he was happy to uh, that I thought of doing that. So the night before I got some cardboard and I kind of made up a little travel shipping carrier for for the symbol, kind of taped it up where not only could I carry it, but also when I needed to give it to him, I could cut the tape real quick and pull it out and give it to him. So I had the cardboard inside some uh, wrapping for it so it didn't get scratched up and stuff. So I'm toting this thing around, and I was glad that they actually had those uh, Fan Expo bags that you paid like five bucks for at the at the shop so I could actually put that 
sign in the bag so I didn't have to carry this thing around all day. And people were looking at me like, what is this dude carrying? Is he carrying a gun or something? So I got to go to the panel, and that was at 11 a.m., and it lasted till about noon. His free signing wasn't until 4 p.m., so I had about four hours. So I'm walking around. I'm, I'm looking at things. I'm buying some, some shit. I see that the line is already starting to form where his signing is going on. And about 2 o'clock, I, I got in line, and I was already like 50 people deep maybe. Stood there for about you know 30 minutes, 45 minutes. And then the little you know convention monitors start coming up. Already the line is like, I don't know, in the hundreds behind me. And they're like telling people, if you don't have that wristband that I got in the morning, if you don't have that wristband, you have to go to the back of the line. And these, yeah. yeah. So imagine if you would have skipped the panel thinking, oh, I'll be first in line for the free sign thing. Yeah. You would have been screwed. Um, and these people were pissed. Oh, <laughs> so I, I got to skip all the way up to the front just about. And um, I mean, these people were pissed. Oh, and by about, about four o'clock, that line was to the back of the building and snaked all the way back up. So the end of the line was where I was standing already. And then, you know, the, first the VIP people that bought all the packages, <clears throat> which they sold, I don't know, like 110, 120 of those, they got to go first. So I had to wait for them to all sign and stuff. Then they started letting the, just the wristband people go. So got in line. And uh, it was still, I mean, shit. It was already like 5 o'clock, so I'd been standing there about three hours. <clears throat> and um, they were only letting you get one item signed. And I, I I had a hard time deciding what I wanted signed. Did I want my first print, issue one, Dark Knight Returns comic signed? Or did I want the leather-bound, complete Frank Miller that I bought in 19... 19- 90 as a kid when I saved up all my uh, lawnmowing money and that was my first graphic novel that I ever bought and introduced me to Frank Miller and Dark Knight Returns and year one <clears throat> I was like which which one do I want to sign I mean it, it was a, it was a tough decision I just I, I, I got both books out and I just let them let them speak to me I chose the leather bound to be the one that signed because that's the one that started started it all even though I took I took the issue one, you know, and I cut out where I wanted it signed, thinking that maybe I may get lucky. Oh, actually, you know what? They also had a place where you could go and you could drop off a book and pay for it uh, to be signed. So for anyone listening out there, I think his next appearance is at uh, Fan Expo in Toronto. You can also drop off a book at, at their table. And I, I don't know what the price is, like 75, 80 bucks. And then pick it up on Sunday because I think he was only signing them. I brought. I was going to have him sign the leather bound for me, but I was going to pay for him to sign the other book. But when I found out that they, they were only, you had to pick up your book on Sunday, I decided not to do that because I wasn't going to come back on day three. I had other stuff to do. But I'm standing there in line. We're going through and there's this lady, two people in front of me who, you know, during the whole time that we're standing there talking and stuff like that, you know, kind of got to know each other a little bit. She was there with her daughter and, uh, her daughter didn't have anything to get signed. Her daughter didn't care. She was just kind of along for the ride. And the lady was really nice. And she said, well, here, just give me your other book and I'll have my daughter get it signed for you. 
<laughs> so I got two autographs. I got Damn. Dark Knight issue one signed and my leather bound complete Frank Miller sign. Oh shit. <laughs> and, uh, you know, she was awesome. She, she, I was watching her like a hawk man, because I mean, as soon as that book got signed, no telling how much, you know, it, it'd be worth, you know, when, when it was my turn to get an autograph, man, I was so nervous. I was like almost shaking. I was like sweating. So I approached the booth and um, I've got this big old wooden bat symbol in my bag, and it's kind of awkward to carry and stuff. I put my book up there, and I tell them which page and how I wanted it signed. Then I, I brought up the bat symbol thing, and they're like, where do you want this signed? I was like, no, 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 this is a gift. And they're like, okay. So then they they shuffle you down the table, and they show him where to sign, so he signed it. And then they scooted the bat symbol over, and he gets ready to sign it. And they're like, no, this is a gift. And I'm standing there, I was like... Mr. Miller, this is a gift for you. This, um, this was custom made from a woodworker in South Carolina, and I, I want to give it to you. Dude, his eyes were like fucking Christmas ornaments. I mean, they were, they like Damn. literally almost came out of his head. He was like <laughs> looking at that, like, he like looked up, up at me, like, are you kidding me? He was like stunned. <laughs> speechless and um Damn. yeah it was it was very uh it was a surreal moment and uh he loved it and he reached out and shook my hand he was like thank you very much you know he's kind of got this voice that kind of talks like this because you know he's not kind of in the best health but dude it was it was uh, dude i i didn't know oh, what yeah, to say man. It, it, That's badass. <laughs> got a little choked up. I'm not gonna lie. I got a little choked up. Did you wash your hand yet? Uh. Had a little personal moment with that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, but here's here's a, another kick-ass thing. So not only was he signing at the table, at the same fucking table, five feet away, Klaus Jansen was signing too. So after you got signed with Frank. Then you could get whatever you wanted signed by Jansen as well. It's, it's like so Jordan not, and Pippin. And you're like, yeah, Jordan and Pippin. So I got The Dark Knight Returns Issue 1 signed by Frank Miller and Klaus Jansen. And then Complete Frank Miller signed by Frank Miller and Klaus Jansen. I mean, dude. Well, we met Klaus back at New York Comic Con, remember? Yeah, and, and he was, coolest he was, guy. Yeah, he was really... And he was... I remember that one time when someone comes up to him, he's like, oh, did you talk to Frank? And he was like, yeah, I called him yesterday. Me and Gramps were like, he called Frank Miller? Like, Now, this is yeah. what this is before Frank resurfaced. And yeah, yeah. No one's really seen him for years. You know, That was, was when I was like, I had my backpack and I was <laughs> pretending like I was stuffing books in it, but I was just like kneeling down, yeah, like listening. Yeah, that he was doing that. <laughs> I was, man. It was... I was pretending like I was organizing my books back in my backpack, but I was actually just eavesdropping. And you know, the old Gramps eavesdrop. Yeah. And uh, so that could have been the first time that they talked about doing the book. I don't know. Who knows? But anyway, it was just, it was, man, dude, that was like Christmas times 10 for me that day. It, it was, it was so surreal. And then, you know, of course, I'm going to be the freaking 
uh, fanboy that sits around and basically stalks them. So, I'm, I mean, I just wanted to take it all in. And so even though I had my books signed and, like, I walked around with them for a while, like, my precious, my precious, you know, <laughs> dude, I was like, I was freaking out. And then finally, um, I was trying to meet up with some other people that were at the convention and they were asking where I was at. And I was like, I'm over here at the Frank Miller signing. If you want to meet me, this is where I'm at because I'm not moving. You know, I just wanted to just take it all in and, and watch them for a while because I'm probably never going to see them again. So that was my experience with Dallas Comic Con. And it was very surreal and a once in a lifetime opportunity. I'm glad that I took the chance and, and got to go. You know, they always say, never meet your heroes because you might, you know, have a bad experience. But, you know, I got to tell you, that was one of the best experiences I've ever had because not only was Frank Miller, Azarello, Kubert, and Klaus Jansen, they were all awesome, awesome guys. So uh, I want to thank all of them very much. They made my day. This is Grandpa Batman. We're at Dallas Fan Expo, and I'm interviewing Brian Azarello, co-writer of the new Dark Knight 3 title, and artist Andy Kubert. So, guys, um, this title, it's, it's, it's mind-blowing so far. What, um, when did the whole process start with the story and deciding on the artwork? Over two years ago. Yeah, um, Frank had been in talks with DC for a while. Um, we got involved about two, about two years ago, I think. It's been about two years. Yeah. For us. yeah. yeah. About two years. About okay. two years, yeah. When you decided to put out the new Dark Knight 3 title... Was there a sense of this is going to be the final chapter, or was this going to be an ongoing thing? I, was, just, I just wanted to get through it. That's all. <laughs> There's, it was. I mean, it it definitely is the end of a trilogy, and it, it does play that way. Right. Whether or not it's the final one, I, I don't know. Okay. Is there a, is there any certain favorite character that you've You've grown attached to in the book, whether it's you know the the Colt from Candor or Carrie Kelly or you know anybody specific. Commissioner Yindel. Really, that's there's something about that character. I really, I really like that character. She does have a, a a story that needs to be told because you know she's took over for Gordon and now she's dealing with her own personal demons. So yeah, so and I tend to like characters that have personal demons. <laughs> For me, I've never drawn Wonder Woman before, and I really like drawing her, especially in the first issue. I had a blast with her. Carrie and Laura, I like a lot, also. Yeah, Laura's. Yeah, I like Laura too. Yeah, she's a she's another uh, character that um, I've grown to despise, and I think that's a compliment to your writing and your artwork because you can tell that she's just the seed of I don't know uh, what's the word I'm trying to look for. She's. She's Superman with, that hasn't been raised by uh, human beings. That's what she is. So she's, you know, she's Pride above us. She's above us. We're ants. Right. I'm waiting to see where little baby Jonathan's going to end yeah. up, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's going to be awesome. There's a story there. I, I got to ask Frank Miller a question at the panel. I'm standing there, and, I, you know, I'm wearing the Uncle Frank T-shirt. <laughs> all four of them go, oh, awesome shirt, nice shirt, you know, 
And you should see I haven't changed it in three months. <laughs> <laughs> and so I got to ask my question. I rattle off shit for about 30 seconds, but I was I was stuttering. <laughs> and I'm looking at Klaus Jansen, and he's just smiling at me, just looking at me with this little shit-eating grin like, you're a fucking nerd. You're not fooling anybody, nerds. Yeah, and Frank Miller's like looking at me like okay you feel like the story comes full circle it's been 30 years since Dark Knight Returns and now you're working on Dark Knight 3 is this feel like the story comes full circle and Frank Miller was like oh you want us to stop is that what you're saying (laughs) I was like no no I don't want you to stop which kind of gave me a hint that you know there was that rumor that he said that he wants to do more yeah. and that you know like dark knight 3 is primarily written uh and scripted by azarello with his with miller's input but miller also said well i'm going to be doing the next one and by yeah miller's response and by azarello's response I kind of get the sense that yeah, that we're gonna, we're going to be seeing more of a you know old man grandpa Batman down the road, which I'm perfectly fine with. Or they can also you know go with you know more storyline with uh, Carrie Kelly, Lara, Jonathan, you know the next generation of of uh, heroes. Yeah. So that that'd be pretty interesting. So he 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 kind of you know kind of gave me the sarcastic answer and i was like no 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 and then i cut and then i started making requests i started saying well i'd really like to see a story where uh oliver green how he loses his arm to superman and they're like oh you'd like that huh and they kind of gave me a little a little nod and kind of a half smile like i didn't know if that was uh something that maybe down the line we'll see i don't know be one of the many comics Oh yeah. yeah. That I don't know. It was it was it was pretty cool talking to him. And it was almost like and then we started kind of having a conversation. The, finally the monitor kind of had to cut me off and let the next people talk. <laughs> and um, that was pretty surreal. This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman, and you're listening to Bat Force Radio, so stay tuned. And then I also met Conroy on Friday. I had to wait in the line. He his line was pretty steady, but I caught him at the end of the night, the convention, I think, on Friday night closed at 9. And I asked him if he'd mind doing a, a short interview. And he was like, yeah, yeah, sure. Just let me uh, finish up, you know, with the business here. And, you know, it's 8.50 and there's still people coming up wanting autographs from the guy. I watched a guy walk up and put $2,000 down for 50 autographs. Fuck. Yeah. You know, Damn. he's got he's got a guy sitting there. You know that works for the convention. That's you know kind of his monitor, and he counts it out. And the guy, <laughs> guy looks at him, and Connor's like, "No, no, no, it's okay." And he just starts signing. And, uh, Holy shit! Like, this is a f- yeah. These are the guys that are driving the prices up, man. What was it? Uh, what was it for? What? How much did it cost for one signature? I mean, forty like when you went up there and got forty fucking bucks. Forty. A choice of you know whatever um, eight by eleven picture that you wanted he had several he had a headshot he had the batman animated series batman and uh, some other ones but yeah this guy brought a stack of them just 
I've got 50 autographs. Here's Was it what? Cash. Oh, diggity. I got 12 copies of Arkham Asylum. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is Grandpa Batman again at the Dallas Fan Expo. And with me now is one of the most iconic personas, actors, celebrities associated with the Batman, the great Kevin Conroy. Uh, Kevin, thank you so much for meeting with me today. I wanted to talk a little bit about the upcoming uh, Killing Joke movie that is coming out next month. You know, you're associated mostly with the TV series and the Arkham games. Did you have any hesitation or thoughts when approached about a darker story like The Killing Joke? Uh, No hesitation at all. And it's actually a story that Mark first introduced me to a long time ago. And um, Mark um, is a real maven for all of this sort of material. He's, a, he's got an extraordinary uh, library of knowledge about everything to do with animation. Um, and he, he introduced me to this aspect of, of uh, the story. And I was really anxious to do it. Um, I know Bruce Tim wanted to do it. Um, and it was just a question of when the studio was going to get around to it. And the fact that they got Mark and me and Bruce, so it's all, the audience is going to be very excited about it because it it, it really harkens back to the original um, animated series. Um, It looks like it, it's got the feel of it, the grit of it, uh, but it's a more sophisticated story. Uh, It's a very dark story, um, which is appropriate for the Joker and Batman's relationship. It's a very adult take on their relationship. Yeah. It's, uh, it really gets into the psychology of Batman and Joker. They struggle with each other um, much more intimately than they did in any of the previous stories. So it's really interesting for an actor to play, for me to play. Um, I love doing it. Um, and I think the audience is really going to enjoy it. Do you find any difference working in a movie situation versus uh, the TV series? The only difference between working with a movie and a TV series is that the the length of time you have to do it, the, the length of the story. You have a longer period of time to, to, to explore the character and tell the story, so you can give a lot more color and a lot more nuance. But in terms of the actual character that you're portraying, it's the same character. Right. It has to be, or the audience won't buy it. Right. The audience knows Batman as well as I do. A lot of the audience knows him better than I do. Um, so if I wasn't being completely honest with the character, they'd know it in a second. They'd hear it in a second. So I always have to approach him 100% honestly. So in terms of acting the character, it's always the same. But when you're given you know, a bigger format to explore, then of course you, know, you can show more colors. The biggest difference in performance is between the... Um, TV or films and the games. Gaming, that's a whole different way to perform because like in Arkham Knight, there were 37,000 lines of dialogue. Right. 37,000. <laughs> that's a long day. Because, because depending on how the game's played, you know, there's all those different avenues you go down. So it took two years to build. It's eight hours a day, alone in a booth doing the Batman voice and having to generate the energy yourself, having to feed yourself, you know, um, energy and uh, keep the character alive and keep yourself present in the situation in terms of acting. 
It's very, very, very hard. By the end of the day, you're just wiped out. So for Killing Joke, you and Mark and the other characters were all in the same booth, well, just like... that's a good question, uh, because actually, usually, 99% of the time, we are in the same booth. Uh, Warner Brothers likes to do it that way, and Mark and I love to work that way, because we're both stage actors, and stage actors love to work opposite each other, because you feed each other, right. you get jazzed by each other, you know? You get juice from each other. Um, Mark was doing Star Wars, um, and I think he was on location in Ireland or somewhere, and so he wasn't available. So this one time, we did have to record separately. So that was a disappointment. Um, but I don't think you can tell by the performance, because we both know each other so well. Um, you can't hear that in the show. How was it um, working with Bruce Tim and Mark again, you know, when, when they first announced that the movie was going to be finally put out a lot of people had questions about who was going to be Batman because they had had another guy on Batman Bad Blood and then the news came out that it was you and Mark Hamill and I mean from a fan standpoint it was jubilation but how was it once again working with Bruce Tim and Mark Hamill again mm -hmm. on a big iconic story like Killing Joke well you know what it's like when you run into a friend from college that you haven't seen in 20 years and how you pick up the conversation right where you left off. Right. The relationship is still there. Right. You still see each other as 20-year-olds, <laughs> even though you're now 40-year-olds. Right. You, 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 you see the youth in the other person. You don't see them as a 40-year-old. Right. That's how Mark and Bruce and I deal with each other. We still see each other as we did 24 years ago. Right. And we still, I mean, we picked up the conversation right where it left off. It was really wonderful. And, and Bruce Tim even commented on it at one point. He said, it's like we never stopped, you know? <laughs> it, it really did just take off from the first moment we stepped in the studio. Um, so that was, that was exciting. Are there any other um, favorite Batman stories, maybe based on the comic books or maybe ones that Bruce has made, um, that you would look forward to working on in the future? What I would love to see developed is, a, is if there's some way to do a sequel to Arkham Knight in the games. Because the way it ended was so apocalyptic. Batman surrendering his whole identity to save Gotham. Uh, I would love to see some way to have that segue into another game. I think that would be incredible, to watch Batman try and fight for his identity back. Um, but they haven't been able to figure out a way to have a, a sequel to, these, to those games. There was a trilogy, right. and the trilogy ended. Right. I'd love to see them have some sort of segue into another one. At the end of the night, you could tell he was tired. He'd been sitting at that booth for... That's nice of him. 10 hours signing autographs all day. Wow, and really uh, cool. I, I expected, you know, short, quick answers and stuff like that. But man, the guy, he gave us the goods and I mean, you can tell he's a talker. But and when I, it was it was kind of neat because I'm standing, you know, I'm standing close to him. So my phone would pick it up and I'm like looking him eye to eye while he's talking. And you start seeing how he gets into character, his his demeanor and his face starts moving and and contorting like he's getting into the Batman role and uh, this little twinkle in his eye when he starts talking about him and Mark. Hmm. And I, it makes me really think that this movie is going to be something special hmm. um, because 
he gave me the jitters just right there talking to him. I'm like, I'm literally a foot away from Kevin Conroy's face while he's talking like, <laughs> like this. It was, it was crazy. In my head, I'm here. I'm seeing Bruce Wayne in the animated series talk. Yeah, you know? yeah, totally. Which is really cool. Fucking cool, actually. <laughs> I'm sitting there, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I'm watching this happen, man. This is it was, it was crazy, crazy, crazy. Meow. This is Selena Kyle. Some call me Catwoman, and when I'm not pulling the perfect crime snatching diamonds along with Batman's heart all over Gotham, I'm curled up next to my kitty and listening to Bat Force Radio. All right, now let's get into Dark Knight Returns, The Last Crusade. The depression and the guilt for whatever happened to Jason Todd. And then there was also some dialogue and an inner dialogue about um, an agreement either between the Justice League or maybe... The government, a government, all the governments, or something like some agreement about, you know, heroes in general. So I'm sitting there and I've always wondered, what was it specifically? You know, that, that, what was it that led to that moment when Batman, of all people, decided, I'm done? Because here's a guy that, you know, he's like Rocky, man. You kick his ass, beat him up. You know, almost kill him, but he doesn't quit. He gets back up and he keeps fighting. Something had to break him down spiritually, mentally, emotionally for him to decide, you know, to hang it up. So I've always in the back of my mind been wondering what specifically was it. And, you know, I'll be honest, I, I got this book and I, I'm holding it in my hands and I was almost afraid to to open it. I, all your questions are finally going to well, be answered no, in a way. Right? Yeah, I was like, and plus, I mean, it was only like, what, about 64 pages? Right. So yeah. I'm thinking this this story could be its own trade paperback. It surprised me the direction that the book went because it began roughly where I expected it to begin, but it didn't end where I thought it would end. When it was announced that we were getting a prequel to The Dark Knight Returns, I figured it was something that was going to end with Batman hanging it up and Joker being in the asylum where we see him uh, in Dark Knight Returns in the hands of Dr. Wolper. Uh, I I thought we were going to see all that occur, but it it doesn't even get to that. So it really feels like there's space for another book to take place that also comes in between this and uh, dark, the the beginning of Dark Knight Returns. It was good, don't get me wrong, but it almost felt like it needed almost like a little little more closure. Spoiler, yeah. spoiler, you know, if anyone hasn't read it yet, uh, at the end of the book, uh, Joker is killing Jason Todd. I, I want to see a book where Batman flies off the handle and Absolutely. goes and gets Joker. Right. Yeah, yeah like... um. Batman, you know, gets Joker and is beating the shit out of him, almost like how he was seeing how Jason Todd was treating criminals and then kind of stop before he gets to that, you know, breaking point or to that yeah. line. Yeah, yeah, man, and then, maybe he comes maybe he comes so near crossing that line when he gets his hands on Joker that we see him decide, okay, I I have to stop doing this now. 
I, I, I can't do it anymore because I'm going to cross the line. It was a big feel of how how much of a loose cannon Jason Todd is. I feel that's like. the part I loved about it. Yeah, he was, he was very he was very Damien esque, right? Yeah, I mean, even I think worse. Yeah, well, a- I think <laughs> worse. <laughs> I think worse because Damien was trained that way, but Jason is just naturally that way, and yeah. that's kind of disturbing. He's like uh, this this killer. You know, I just I, I love that um, that line he talks about where you know Jason you know kicks this dude's ass or what did he threw the battering and hits the guy in the arm and he's like you could have knocked the gun away instead of doing that and he goes but then I notice his smile yeah and yeah then the next panel is Joker's cold calculated stare it kind of you know it, it's good foreshadowing to you know what what will be his fate later on. I'd really like to know how much Frank was involved with this one because a lot of new things happened. and He said he was very involved with this one. Because we finally had an attractive Selena Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I read a, uh, an interview that he did with uh, the artist John Romita Jr. <clears throat> they asked him that specific question because they said, you know, Dark Knight 3, Azarello is involved with this one as well. But they asked, you know, how much were you involved with this one since Azarello's, you know, primarily leading the way with Dark Knight 3. And Frank said, I'm very involved with this one because this is, you know, more closely directly related to, you know, his baby, Dark Knight Returns. Right. So he answered that he's he was very involved with this, this story. Well, that says a lot because now Frank is painting Selena in the light where she is Batman's ultimate partner, like his one true love. He's also, um, he's the first time he's ever dealt with Crocker Ivy as well. So that was pretty interesting. Yeah. And I really like the way Frank dealt with them. You know, it, it was interesting, you know, bringing back Selena. It's almost like she in this story um, was more of his moral compass more so than Alfred in a way. Right. And I yeah. think it's, you know, he, he was leaning on her more for answers because at this point in the story, she had given up being Catwoman at this point in the story. And he, he you know, he asked her, how, how did you do it? You Great know? time to quit. Great time to quit. Yeah, I, I think that was why uh, he was leaning more on her because she had just come to that point where she had decided to hang it up. And he knows that he's coming to that point himself as well. Right. It's a nice like moment because we've seen Frank have her as a dominatrix, and then we've seen Frank have her as a an overweight woman in a Wonder Woman costume. So yeah, know, to see her in bed with Bruce. Pretty happy. And <laughs> this one, I like. Was... I liked it. I liked her answer when she said, "I outgrew the suit," and he said, "Curves are nice." <laughs> <laughs> uh, it. I liked the uh, the writing and the overall tone of this book uh, was interesting. It felt like reading a comic from the 80s or, or 90s. It had that kind of feel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was a good book. I, a lot of hype went into this book. I think, I think there's been a lot of disappointment because people have expected so much from how many pages? 60, 80, you guys said, or something like that? Well, 64. Well, yeah, 64. Yeah. And, and we did, it, it, they did kind of leave us hanging in a way because it's, it's, yeah. funny, it's in a it's in a continuity yeah. where you always want more from that DKR verse. So. That makes that raised the question to me because it's very you know very cinematic how they did it and it it's almost like what I think Romita said he was like you know um, 
you don't really need to to know what happens because you already know what happens. Right. We all know what happens. How many good stories have we all read where, you know, or songs where the lyrics, the artist lets the audience interpret what it is. I mean, I think, I think a lot of people wanted and expected to, to get the big payoff of, Mm. you know, seeing exactly what happened, but you know what happens. That variant cover that, uh, Lee Bermejo did. That's all you need to see. It's got the Joker mm-hmm. with a big blood-stained R on his chest, holding a switchblade knife. You've got the shadow of Batman up against the wall, as if like Batman has just arrived. You know, right after Joker has slit his throat. And there's no penis shadows on the wall this time. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was thinking like they should just let let Frank and Azarella keep doing it. I mean, obviously they have. A shitload of artists that are probably lined up waiting to draw something for Frank. You know, Capullo being one of them, by the way, he said once. So, does he just let him keep going, man? I think they really love to work together. I mean, you could tell the dynamic at Dallas Comic Con. They they laugh. That was another thing. <laughs> they man, they have such a good time. That was one another thing I, I I forgot to add. You know, someone asked you know Frank a question, and you know, a lot of people think that he's just this grizzled dark asshole but what i came to realize through some of his responses he just wants to have fun he's still very much a kid at heart and he even said so he goes man if you're not having fun with these books then what's the point yeah like he was i mean he was talking about uh how green lantern you know got fucked up and <laughs> in his yeah, that's so funny i wonder what jeff johns thinks of that because isn't that like yeah. jeff johns baby <laughs> Yeah, he was just like, it's almost like, you know, a kid playing with toys. And he goes, you know, what do you, well, you got this guy, he's got the, you know, the supreme weapon of the universe. All he has to do is think of whatever and it comes to mind. And he's overthinking of uh, power drills and egg beaters. He goes, it, it led me to realize that. Green Lantern is the stupidest person in the world. Like that sofa in Dorkside War. He goes, yeah. <laughs> he goes, you got this all-powerful being, and you got. He started laughing about his uh, all-star Batman and Robin, or all-star Batman that he did with Jim Lee. He goes, man, I was just having fun, and it's almost like he was fucking around some, with that one. Yeah, he was just yeah, fucking around. The, the, yeah, the the room full of yellow. Yeah, <laughs> the room full of yellow the lantern mean, shows up, and yeah, he's got everything is yellow, and Batman's drinking a glass of lemonade, and Batman was like such a dick. <laughs> <laughs> and Wonder Woman's fucking nuts. Like, not giving a fuck, man. I really liked how Wonder Woman was an all-star Batman. Yeah. He really likes to have fun with the characters. And by having fun, that means also making them more interesting by taking away what makes them so powerful. Yeah. He you takes know, especially... a lot of chances, which any good writer does. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But you have to take... That's why I think... Snyder falls into a hole, triple guesses himself sometimes and doesn't take the chance, you know. I think you just got to go for it and see what happens, you know. Because if you think about it, DKR was probably the biggest chance ever taken. I mean, he he crossed all boundaries in that book, so. Yeah, and he did it on purpose, you know. I mean, especially with, you know, not only the age, but shit. In book two, he has him fire an assault weapon at someone. Any other thoughts on Last Crusade? Man, the artwork. Artwork's good. I, like, oh, I really yeah. like Croc, and Ivy has the green skin in that one. I thought that was interesting. Uh, 
Frank's variant was uh, was great for this too. Oh, the Joker. Yeah, that one in one hundred one. Uh, yeah, Joker's got the the knife up to his mouth, and you like see the the silhouette of Batman's head behind him. It's almost like he's back, right? yeah, he's like licking the blade. Yeah, mm, licking yeah. the blood off or something. Oh, shit. Do you guys think there's going to be more? That's what I was wondering because on the website it says the Last Crusade number one. Oh shit! Oh shit! So that's why I, I wanted to ask that question to Robin if Diamond shows any more. Yeah, no, nothing line. shows yet, but books like this are always called number one. You know, even if it's just a standalone, it's a one shot. Uh, a lot of books will say uh, number one on the cover and underneath number one, it will say one shot. Mm. So, yeah, it's normal that they list it as a number one, but it certainly feels like something else would be coming. Uh, so far, there's nothing uh, listed in the database, and I don't expect there will be until uh, if and when something is announced. But uh, that does remind me, I, I did find in the database, I don't know who was uh, around in Kick at the time that I uh, mentioned it, uh, the year one Absolute Edition is coming out, I think, in November. That'll be nice. Uh-huh. Man. Yeah. I want to know why he called it The Last Crusade. Does that have to do something with Robin? Like his Maybe, Last yeah, Crusade? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I, obviously it goes back to, you know, the the Cape Crusader, you know, moniker that Batman's often called. I was thinking about that on the drive home because, you know, a crusade is like, you know, this this mission, this journey, this f- struggle for something, you know, based on something on a higher calling. So what's the higher calling? Was it was it Robin's last crusade? Was it Joker's last crusade? Was yeah, it someone had uh, someone had sort of criticized it on uh, Instagram and uh, said that the title was misleading. And all I replied was, "Well, it depends on who you attribute the title to. You know, whose whose last crusade yeah. it was." In reference, to, like if it could be, let's just say, geared towards Jason Todd. I'm I'm actually flipping through it right now, and um, within the first, I want to say, ten pages or so, when Bruce and Jason are sparring, Bruce is even saying. Uh, He's throwing himself in combat situations. It's more than I could. It's more than I could want having a people like him. In a few years, he might be. He might even be as good as. And he's flipping Jason Todd, but Jason Todd lands on his feet, and it kind of catches Bruce off guard. Jason Todd sweeps him off the sweep Bruce off his feet, and starts beating his ass. And then you know <laughs> Bruce stomps him. But I believe he said that about Carrie Kelly too, right? About she could be as he good. He says as that in Dark Knight Three, yeah. Yeah. She could be even better. Yeah, obviously, towards the end, when Bruce is talking to Alfred about, you know, Jason's not ready. You know, he, he's not ready to do it, or maybe he'll never be ready. And then, of course, we all know towards the end, you know, Jason goes on his own to sneak into where the Joker's hideout is and gets ambushed. I mean, th- that is one way, you know, if the Last Crusade is maybe Jason Todd's Last Crusade, or, you know, in turn, that would also be. You know, Batman's Last Crusade, because obviously after Jason Todd from Dark Knight Returns, that was kind of, you know, when he hung it up. So there's many other interpretations. Fuck's sake, Scott. It's fucking Indiana Jones, dude. Get over it. (laughs) This is Misty Lee, and you're listening to Bat Force Radio. Hi, this is Squirrel Girl, and you're listening to Bat Force Radio. (laughs) It's nuts, isn't it? So moving right along, Batman number one from Rebirth, Tom King and David Finch. Open up the floodgates. What do you guys think so far? It's good. I don't Bam like man. it better than Detective, though. I like that more. Uh, did we do Detective yet? 
No, we uh, didn't. Oh, fuck. So we might as well just do them both at once because they're, they're going to interlock soon anyway, I think. There's an upcoming event. Yeah, there is. Based off of, I think, Batman number one. Yeah. Pe- people are loving um, dete- a, lot of, a lot of talk around Detective right now. Two yep. issues in. Yep. Uh, just to go through real quick, for anyone doesn't know, you should go pick them up anyway. Detective has its regular number back at 930-something or whatever. Batman and his um, relative Batwoman has formed a team consisting of Cassandra Kane, Tim Drake, uh, and Clayface. Right? And Stephanie and, Brown. And Stephanie Batwoman. Brown, spoiler, right? For an upcoming thing because they're being watched by someone. Batman knows something nobody else does. Yeah, and he has his concerns, so team they assembled. Uh, they're gonna be, you know, they're ringing him through training and whatnot. And uh, and so far the dynamics really interesting. All the personalities are working together. You know? Bat Batwoman's putting them through hell. She don't even care. Yeah, yeah, dude. The the the, the first fucking page when you see was it? Uh, <clears throat> sorry, the page I guess would be what two and three was that that splash page of. Like twenty jokers running through a destroyed, you know, a yeah, that's awesome. destroyed city with swords and machetes and axes and shit. That's, that's like, a training simulator. Now, that, yeah, what I didn't, what I thought it was Clayface, because when it shut down, they all, all the Joker faces looked like they were melting clay. But yeah, Tim did right? say that uh, he had used, yeah, he had used pieces right i think he said remnants of clayface or something right but they have some kind of wrist thing on clayface where he's able to maintain his human form yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, this is this is pretty well uh, james tynan's doing it it's really cool because someone mentioned that detective comics should not just be about batman but more so detective work and on you know unraveling mm-hmm. things in gotham um and i think that's what's going on here who's the artist on this because the way they're doing Right, that's snow so far in Gotham and everything he's been doing, uh, enjoying the artwork. They kept the Batmobile that they also have in the regular Batman series. Um, Yeah. Because it's the animated series Batmobile with the 1939 shield in front, and that's fucking insane, you know? Fuck making a new one, just, like, put together two of the most badass Batmobiles in history and just, you know... Let that shit ride. Um, like at the end, that looks a lot like in the Arkham Knight guys, right? Doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's, so that's that's what... We we had that discussion about the one of the upcoming covers, and it looked like Arkham Knight laying there on the ground. And you see, this is what I'm worried about. I'm really hoping Tynan doesn't fucking like do some Arkham Knight shit. We we've had enough of that in the video game. Cause now, now we're not gonna get any boss fights in the fucking comic book. So, <laughs> so you're I, gonna have to drive the Batmobile around every page. Yeah. Well, if if that's the case, I won't be. I'll read like forty-two percent of the of books, and then I'll fucking drop it <laughs> <laughs> and just bash it. But once I saw those characters, the helmets and the Arkham Knights, you know, army, what it looks like, the Arkham Knight, not. I was, I'm hoping they're not like regurgitating stuff. I'm though. thinking it might be Deathstroke, to be honest. Yeah. Oh, we yeah. I know we were going to discuss theories. I was wondering if it might be someone from the Watchmen orchestrating something or having to do with this. That would be cool. Yeah, I think that would make a little sense, too. It's supposed to, yeah, I don't, I don't know what he has going on, but uh, there was some Easter egg of something that had to do with a cobra or something like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting. 
Yeah, they mentioned like a terrorist group named Cobra. Honestly, I, at first, I, when I first read it, I thought of G.I. Joe, to be honest with you. I, 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 too. Dude, I, I thought Cobra Kai and that fucking uh, Daniel son was going to come out. Oh, <laughs> my God. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> nah, Sweep the lane. <laughs> yes. hey, um, I was thinking of the purple now. Cobras from uh, Dodgeball with Kevin Porter. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> a lot of Cobra shit came out. <laughs> um... In the uh, the first issue of uh, Detective, um, Cam- uh, Detective Kamek. <laughs> Detective Kamek. Um, <laughs> a lot of good things being said about Detective and his new team. That's cool because I really like Clayface too. Him and Ivy are probably my favorite, so it's cool to see him in the he's mix. He's an and, underused character. Yeah, and I kind of like how they're portraying him in this. I honestly, um, well, when I saw the, the first pictures of it, I was thinking, oh, okay, come on, I know. Fucking Clayface is a villain. How are they going to incorporate him into being a quote-unquote good guy? It's pretty cool to see Batwoman back. And it's weird because she's kind of getting along with Batman. This is all new territory. Well, well, I think she always wanted to be treated, you know, as an equal. And kind of in a way, he, you know, in all previous stories, especially in like the New 52, he, he, and... What was it in Batman Incorporated? He like asked her to be part of his team and stuff like that, and she was like, "Fuck you!" You know. <laughs> yeah. Well, shouldn't need you. Woman, she was ready to kick his ass. Yeah, she's like, "I don't need you." Yeah. And now he's kind of come to her. He 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 took off his cowl, and you know he he basically put it out there, said, "You know what? Hey, I'm not above you. I I don't see myself." You know, as your superior, let's work on this as a, that, as a that's, team. That's what that's what he's saying to her, though. But really, behind the scenes, he's delegated the job to her while he goes and works on, you know, figuring things out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's left her at home with the kids, and he's out <laughs> doing the work. Glad to have the numbers back in the 900s again. Sliding over to Bat- Batman number one, Tom King, David Finch. Uh, what do you guys think? Yeah, it was a really, really interesting... Uh, Way to start off uh, a, a new arc. You know what? I'll, I'll throw. I'll say this real quick. I love the first issue because it's fucking action packed and it's it's a little out there, and I like that because it's not too grounded in realism like it usually is. It's comic books, even though he has no superpowers. That fucking they shot down that plane and he had seconds to figure out a way to get the fly up there yeah. yeah he rides it like a bull rider yeah i love when gordon says of course you're on the plane yeah i mean <laughs> it, there were there were definitely uh you know you could read king adding his little bits of you know his humor in there and that's that was fun to see and also i loved how uh david finch won the artwork was dude Dude. Badass. I loved how he put little homages to previous to Snyder to Capullo. He even put a little reference to, to King and stuff like that. You know, just kind of a tip of the hat. Uh, I really like that. I sent King tweet. I said it was definitely a page turner. Insightful, exciting, emotional, and that's just three pages in. And it was true. I mean, that the opening scene with him and Gordon, and then you get the plane being shot down in the background, and then. You're like, what What? What the fuck is happening? He's trying to, uh, they were trying to summon um, uh, Superman or somebody, right? Maybe uh, Hal, I think. And every, the Justice League was busy with something else. So bad. Yeah. 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 Go, going back, this is a really great issue, man. First of all, it shows how Tom King is very confident, right? He's just going to go out there and do some out-of-this-world shit. 
Seeing that well, Batmobile. What's up? Yeah, he's going to give Batman an impossible task that's above his powers. Then he's going to let you see Batman use his ultimate power, which is his intelligence, and figure out a way to to make something happen. Yeah, the way they drew Gotham, it feels like we're back in Gotham. Really detailed, dark, yeah. gritty. That Batmobile driving through the streets. I was like, oh, because he did say he wanted to bring it back to that that Batman the animated series feel. You know, Batmobile mm-hmm. just plowing down the street through Gotham. And then when he ejected with his seat to get to the top, I'm like, oh, this, yeah. this, this, this needs to be a cartoon. This is like fucking action-packed and exciting. So he, he like put it like a jet booster pack on each, what was it, underneath each wing or something like yeah, that? Yeah, he used the jet packs from the chair and <laughs> yeah. took him off and put put them under each wing to give, you know, extra boost. You know, because he didn't want, he didn't want the plane to come down yeah. In Gotham Into Square, which is basically like Times Square. Right. And, and overshoot and go into the bay. <laughs> That's fucking awesome. Um, I love that. Yeah. Dude, just the cityscapes. That, that yeah. one. Oh, my yeah. God. When he's frightened the plane. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> well, like, and then there's that one where I was going back to one, that terrorist group called Cobra. There's a panel where it shows the plane kind of sideways. It's going through a couple of the skyscrapers. And you see one. You see the Cobra agent that shot the rockets in there with his, you know, the bullet in his head. Yeah. And there's once again a mystery figure in a trench coat watching all this. So, I think it's one of the Watchmen or something to do with that. I just, I don't know. That's my theory. Well, he did say there's a hint to who the main villain's going to be in the first couple issues, right? Uh, like it wasn't yeah, he said in obvious. the first issue. He even said there's a hint of, or pretty much a giveaway to who these. You know, new heroes that show up, which to me, I was like, okay, hello, Clark. You didn't say someone said they were Kryptonian or something, or like there's a is there a Nightwing from Krypton? Yeah, well, there there was the yeah there was that Nightwing that Dick Grayson took his name from. Right. Just wait for the the next issues. I I do know some things that are coming up, and oh, there's gonna oh, be some crazy shit. stuff happening real soon. Hey, Gramps, you pick up on that DKR homage? No. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> Which book are you talking about? Hold on. I was Batman looking. number one. He asked Alfred on the comms before the plane was going to go down because Batman wouldn't be able to sustain that impact. But the plane, people in the plane would, but he wouldn't be gone. And doesn't he ask Alfred, is this a good enough death or would this be? Oh, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. I did. Yeah. I do remember oh, that. Yeah, yeah. I was I'm like, sorry. My, you know, my memory is <laughs> terrible. So uh, with this issue. You know, it's like, you know, we've all been saying it. it's like back, you know, Batman and Bruce Wayne is back as Batman. He's back in Gotham. But I had that feeling because Alfred Damn. is there with him side by side. <laughs> well, you know, in the comms, but he's with him all the way. Yeah. Unlike, he's a helping know, hand, though. huh, Scott? <laughs> <laughs> Man, I am so happy Gordon is Gordon again. So happy. That, I mean, I don't know. That Bad Bunny thing really didn't work out well. Fucking know. sucked. <laughs> it did suck. I mean, <laughs> it would have been fine for like three or four issues. It's like, come on, ten it's, issues. It's like Fox now that we're back to basics, it just puts things in perspective and, uh, Oh, that shit, that, that arc was not that good. <laughs> well, you know, once I learned about the rebirth, and I just really stopped caring about what happened in Batman or Detective. I was it's like, not really just that get relevant, it over with. But yeah, the plane goes down. Uh, before the crashes, uh, the superheroes Gotham and Gotham Girl save it. And uh, I mean, there were hints as to who they were from the DC Comics Rebirth special. It's like they were sent there on purpose, and... Yeah, they Isn't have... Superman missing in you know his rebirth? Oh well, there's I... three of them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, 
I don't read <laughs> the book. Serious, but... dude. I, now I'm telling you, man. Both of them, Superman Fuck. and Action Comics, is amazing. Oh shit. Yeah, it is. It. I mean, it, it is badass. I know you guys have been pulling it too, but the 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 Flash so far. That guy that he. I don't know. He has a long Italian last name. Do something. And what, the Joshua, yeah, and Joshua Williamson, yeah. man, these guys. Williamson, are, yeah. So far, I've been blown uh, away by the. Flash. You read this issue? Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Well, dude, from 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 what I read and what happened, dude, I think the whole city is about to get infected with. Well, not infected, with that, but with that about dude. to have the speed force. Oh, wow, shit. Damn. that's nuts. That dude got like, zapped too, right in front of him, yeah. and he couldn't yeah. stop it. Yeah, that'd be good. That'd be getting a lot of lawns mode. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of pizzas delivered on time too. Shit, oh, man, that that art. He that guy's so good at drawing motion and lightning that goes around yeah. him, and he's zipping around. And um, dude, every rebirth title got every single one of them. I've only been disappointed with one. And that was the Titans book. I think the Titans book is, um, I think it's more, because I, 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 I got that one also, but it seems like it's more dealing with the DC Rebirth issue. Like it's, it is, but it, it just it was like them trying to get their memory back of Wall. Yeah. Nah. Yeah. And I just didn't care for it. I mean, the next issue might be amazing, but I, I didn't know. like that. I mean, it, it wasn't a great Kamek. Yeah, it wasn't a great comic. I mean, I, I haven't been this excited or giddy about reading comics, 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 comics in a while. I mean, it's, it's been a while. A lot of people, like a lot of like guys who read a lot of Marvel as well, say that they 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 like DC before the New Fifty Two with DC and then Flashpoint, and then they really didn't like a lot of people. Now we're impressed with the way Rebirth has been handling things, and it, everything sells out. Yeah. At my store, at least. I don't know with Robin, but it's everything s- sells out. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we've just been getting cleaned out. Through Wonder Woman recently, the Rebirth number one. And Fucking dude. Amazing. Dude, wow. I'm Dude. I was like, did you read, did you read today? Uh, did you read last week's issue? Yeah. The most one? Yeah. Fuck me. The, the way that, uh, spoiler, the way that uh, <laughs> at, at the end, the very last page, I mean, the way that that drawn and the way that the, the take on that villain, damn, Cheetah? I got yeah, dude, mm-hmm. I, I'm telling you, and I I was said it before this, that Liam Sharp guy is fucking good, man. He's a sick ass artist. He's trying to figure out the two origins. She's like, the, they're going like back to basics with her, and she's struggling to figure. I like how she uses the lasso of truth on herself. I thought that was really clever. Mm-hmm. Steve Trevor, I liked his little his part in it too oh that's the army dude yeah yeah yep. dude you know it was awesome in wonder woman you know the little card or whatever he hit uh steve trevor had of wonder woman yeah the oh, mugshot yeah yeah nicola scott the next artist she drew that oh shit. i fucking mm. love that dude i was like man that's Clever. awesome dude that's, that's I, crazy. I thought aquaman was gonna be like a man not good <laughs> dude this can issue was kick ass. When is, when are they gonna upgrade his suit? <laughs> That's all I want to know. Hopefully like, never. I mean, you like he that looks like a badass. fucking goldfish. That's he amazing. Like <laughs> <laughs> he's got the green pants. He's got like that that gold, that golden orange. I said a goldfish. I'm not. T- <laughs> Fuck sake. I want him to wear a Nemo suit. <laughs> hey guys, t- actually tell me about Green Lanterns real quick. I haven't read it yet, but the fucking the we're art going is amazing, all rage. Too. We're going all rage. All, all cruise? What man? That book's good, man. I I like the dynamic of two. I mean, 
uh, Simon Baz or whatever his name is. He's he's a cocky prick. And then the other one, she's just like a rookie. And it, it kind of, they play off each other to where one wants to do this, the other one wants to do this. Yep. But in the end, they try to figure out stuff. But I don't know. Yeah. Talking about Jessica Cruz, the one of the rising stars yeah, from uh, yeah. Power Ring from Dark Side War. Right, yeah. 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 It's gonna be. So what? Who is it? How that made them share a battery to learn teamwork or something? Like yeah, that? but they can only share the one battery t- in order to get power from it. Right. So they're yeah. basically stuck together. Hal set them up to train with the Justice League. So this upcoming Justice League, they're in it. Right. And that's because um, they're having problems with the Red Lantern. Something happened with that. Yeah. Hey everybody, this is Jason Fabok, and you're listening to Bat Force Radio. Last week was so big, but for Book of the Week for me, man, was Paul Dini's Dark Knight, a true Batman story. Damn, man, I was reading it. It was first of all, it was longer than I thought it was gonna be for some reason. Man, I was reading through it, and I love that. I mean, it's it's mainly centered around Paul Dini's experience of getting you know mugged and beaten up really badly. Back in, in the early 90s when he was working on the animated series and all that. But there was so many other parts to it as well that brought you into Paul Dini's life at the time. And his creative process and his imagination. And the way it was drawn by Eduardo Rizzo. I, um, I enjoyed it so much. I wanted to read it again. I felt like it needs to be an animated feature. It just it had that feel to it. The way it was written and drawn. So I don't know. What do you guys think of it? Amazing. Yeah. Absolutely incredible. It really gives you a whole new perspective, not only about him, but about your own life. And I mean that because, I mean, he could be anybody. That could have been anybody that got beat up like that. Dude, it could be. It was in there's like the people. Suburbs of California. Like, so random, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, there's, you hear, there's stories of a lot of other people that go through horrific things in their life. And life really is about picking yourself up and not letting that define you and moving forward and that's really what the the moral of the story was you know he he got his ass kicked by a couple of assholes and it really almost tore him away from his dream and you know what there's it obviously it's like the central portion of it like and his his way back from that and building himself higher than that but there's a lot of real life issues that people struggle with and like people anybody that picks up the book can definitely identify with like you know some guy that has high hopes for the girl they're talking to or failed relationships just trying to find themselves you know things they think they're worthy of and working for it but it, it definitely friend of the show Paul Dini dude amazing job through and through artwork from Rizzo is great and just Paul Dini storytelling is always amazing hmm. I love how he had all those different characters from Batman pop in be like he said the whole thing with two-face and everything yeah the part with ivy when ivy is basically breaking it down to him about how that chick is dude that's awesome sweet moment in a way where you know after he got mugged and beat up and he's home and he calls up arlene sorkin who for anyone who doesn't know voiced harley quinn on the animated series when he's he called her up and he said something like um if Harley Quinn can't cheer me up, nobody can, you know, and uh, huh. I thought that was pretty cool. It really, this book really showed how awesome he is as a character writer. You know, he, he fit not just Batman, but Joker and the rest of the rogues into perfect situations. And in his mind, you know, obviously it's all his imagination, but it's how he lives his life and yeah. how he deals with situations. 
and how he's able to create situations in his mind <laughs> to, I don't know, talk his way through certain situations. Just like, you know, when he's talking to Ivy while he's laid up in the hospital about that bitch Regina. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, apparently there's a lot of uh, greedy, selfish bitches in Los Angeles. Yeah, man. I like how we use Batman as somebody who was trying to build him up and the Joker as someone who was, like, calling him out on his shit all the time. You could well, see it all playing through his head as he was going through this. It's... I loved how Penguin was just trying to get him drunk. <laughs> yeah. Also, every, um, every situation had a role representing that. Like you said earlier, that that movie star chick that only wanted to meet Steven Spielberg was yeah. playing him like Poison Ivy plays people. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Penguin showed up when it was time to get drunk, and you know, um, uh, Two Face was when you know he popped up when uh, Dini was talking about how he's you know his face is all fucked up, and he's bruised, yeah. he's beaten. Uh, you know when he he was scared in the hospital, so of course Scarecrow appears. Yeah, um, yeah, that part's awesome. That was like the Arkham Scarecrow through because of the needle fingers. I thought yeah. that was really cool. Yeah, because he wrote that. But you know, what's cool is is this book. I feel with the way Dini wrote it, I feel Batman has never felt more real to me in a sense where Dini has given him that voice that's talking to Dini as he's as he's trying to re- recover from this and just putting it all on the table for him you know this is not a typical comic book arc it's his Batman talking to you in your imagination because you're a Batman writer and he's giving it to you straight so for re- the, the voice he gave Batman in this story really felt real to me I think this mm-hmm. book's gonna win some awards mm-hmm. I really yeah. do yeah yeah, right. yeah same here. I'm really hoping it, it becomes animated feature. It needs to be because reading it, it, that's how it played out in my head when reading it. You know? And and here's another thing that I picked up that this book may have been the last project uh, that editor Shelley Bond was closely you know involved with. Yeah, with Vertigo. I was thinking that same thing because she was recently let go or fired from from Vertigo. This probably would have been her last. And probably most personal uh, title that she worked on with Dini. Speaking of Vertigo, they even had uh, the Sandman and that girl Death show up. Oh, Dude, that was yeah. awesome. Seriously, that man, I want a full story of that. <laughs> oh, Fucking shit. A, dude. And like when when Dini's kind of sulking about, you know, um, after you know he got beaten up, you know, Batman shows up and is just saying, "Well, you should have done this." You should have trained. You should have making yourself better. (laughs) Just the the whole book from start to finish was incredible. You know, what was cool was how Dini was playing it out in his head, what Batman would have done in the situation to those two muggers. Yeah, he jumps on the car. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking awesome. (laughs) Dude, that splash page is amazing. Yeah. Rich, when uh, that, that Sandman part, came up i thought of you man dude i was like no way (laughs) (laughs) i just read it today yeah dude i um i know i know we talked about it with us before we got to read it but like i don't think anything could have prepared us for what like how much he exposed himself like a lot of stuff i was not expecting i mean i expect to be good but this was great but the parts where you know he he drinks himself in depression after he gets his ass handed to him the part where he goes to the shooting range, think, uh, range thinking about picking up a gun. The part where he cuts himself with his award, too. Like, Dude, that was he, like... He, he put himself yeah. out there, dude. A lot, a lot of credit for doing that, man. I don't think a you, lot of people would have done that. You know, you know, most time when, when you meet an icon 
or a, a legendary writer. People want to go get their autograph and stuff like that. Reading this book made me want to just like go up and give the guy a hug. Hug. Yeah. yeah. Like Tom <laughs> always does. Yeah. I did, man. I was like, like, oh my God. I heard too. <laughs> Not many creators have it where they talk to their character. And mm-hmm. that to me was fucking amazing he's right that that pitch room worked flawlessly for this story dude it worked so well for it there were such nice moments too when he's uh speaking to his um old italian uncle i think it was and his uncle wasn't doing well and he he showed him that uh what was like an animation frame or something sell or something yeah Yeah, sell and he hands it back and he says it's not signed so i thought that was that's awesome. Yeah, that was pretty cool. You know, like old school hardcore Italian guy running a restaurant and like to say something like that to him. So, yeah, that was a nice moment. But yeah, no, you know what? This this might be Dini's most powerful work ever out of everything he's done. Just for sure. This is a uh, this is a whole new level of Dini and uh, wow. Yeah, I was just it's it's one of those books that you, you want to read over right after you finish it. You want to read again, dude. And, the whole ending with Harley. Oh, that that was so uh, perfect. Th- it was because it's like you know she's she's with the Joker and she has like she's supposed to be like sadistic, dark, whatever. But right at the end, he has her like it's she is his happy place, and I fucking love that. And dude. she's like skipping away with him as they go home. Like let's go home and write. Yeah, like, yeah, it's awesome, dude. So good. What was really interesting is how they they still had her in the classic jester suit, but mm-hmm. they had the modern harley colors on her like it's like a red and like a some sort of navy blue kind of color blue, yeah. instead of red and black i thought that was interesting you know? i wonder if that was because it was on vertigo not dc or if that was just you know artistic preference but i think it's showing how it's they're heading into a new era with her because that you know like moving forward i think that's how i read it anyway with the with the new colors but uh but same same suit. Dude, the artist, I, I really, dude, he captured every moment, perfect. Parts of the book had a very nineties feel to it as well, which is what he I drew. Like. He drew Dini's ass in the Batcave. Come out the yeah. Lazarus pit. Yeah. yeah, he's in the Lazarus. <laughs> <pit>. Yeah, <laughs> he goes. I know, I know. There's not a Lazarus pit in the Batcave. <laughs> it's fucking awesome. <laughs> there probably is though. <laughs> fucking Batman. Yeah. Paul Dini's Dark Knight: A True Batman Story is recommended for anyone. You could be. You don't even have to be a comic book fan to really enjoy this book. It's just so well done, and it touches on every, you know, I think every edge of the, um, the human emotional Emotions, psyche. Yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. highly recommended. Buy it. Buy it. Buy it. Yeah. Buy three. Cameron. Everybody should grab this. Definitely Bad Force recommended reading for everybody. All right, well, that's going to do it for another episode of Bat Force Radio, a Batman talk show podcast dedicated to everything Batman, from comic books to media to video games and beyond. Definitely subscribe to Bat Force Radio over on iTunes and or SoundCloud, the Bat Force over on Instagram, the Bat Force over on Snapchat, the underscore Bat Force over on Twitter, thebatforce.com. Bat Force Radio, now a member of the Batman Podcast Network and partners with DC Collectibles and Sideshow Collectibles. Until next time, friends. So is that why she's smiling in the picture? Yeah, of course, Scott. F- <laughs> sick. Tickles. <laughs> <laughs>